You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 185. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. And once again, I am excited for this week's episode. Coming at you a few days late, lots going on, lots of planning for the show, lots of thinking about how we're going to really end this year strong and bring you some amazing content that's going to rocket you into 2023. I don't know about the rest of you, it feels like this year is flying by, it has flown by, and here we come with New Year's resolutions and all that jazz, and I'm going to be referencing all my past episodes over the last couple years when it comes time to start discussing our transition from 2022 to 2023. Um, You will all remember from last year where I talked in depth about how 2023 starts December 1st and 2022 ends February 1st, so you have a nice 60-day window to start really manifesting the changes you want in your life. At the beginning of October, I started talking to you about how we were going to really power up quarter four. Um, I have, in my own world, not laid out the plans um, for myself when it comes to my live social media show, Unfunk Yourself with Jesse Mogul, that I was going to you know, launch and do all this cool stuff with on Instagram and Facebook. And one of the things that I noticed as I started to dissect what happened with that was I didn't follow my own strategies. I didn't drink my own Kool-Aid. I said I was going to do something and I didn't come up with a plan for it. I didn't lay out like a story arc or episodes. I didn't put it in my calendar. Um, I really just you know tried out one or two episodes and got frustrated with the software, wasn't thrilled with the way Instagram was laying it out because it was in landscape instead of portrait. A bunch of nonsense I don't need to get into here, but <laughs> the cool part about it was Because of the tools and the resources that I have accumulated, I was able to be very self-aware of what caused me to not move forward that. I was, you know, I was very much in effect of just allowing every day to play out as it may and not scheduling time and being serious about it like I do with the gym and like I do with so many other things in my life. Everything goes in my calendar. The most random silly things all go in the calendar because I look at that throughout the day to figure out what is it I can be doing right now to make sure I don't uh, let things slip through the cracks because life gets busy. So uh, it was really cool dissecting that from on my end and I'm going to be bringing in some cool lessons about that for yourself Um, because that's what we do, right? We get super excited about something and then um, it just sort of fades away. Well, why does it fade away? What did we do on our end that allowed it to fade away? And if it's really important to us, what can we do to bring it back in? So we're going to be having some great conversations around that as we start to really focus on finishing up this year strong. And if that didn't get you excited, and some of you are probably saying, dude, just do the episode about that. Uh, I already prepared a great episode for you. Um, one, uh, a little uh, pre-frame foreshadowing, if you will, um, because of the mindset and mentorship program I'm taking at the University of Alabama online, it's really uh, two classes all about addiction recovery. Uh, I'm 
in, was introduced to a, a PhD professor by the name of Tricia Witte. And fabulous, fabulous woman. Just the knowledge she brings to the table on the science, the neurology of addiction was fascinating. When she led the class that day, I was super engrossed, uh, reached out to her, and I got her on the podcast. And so I can't wait for that interview to drop, for you guys to be able to learn about the science of addiction from a PhD in this D sounds like my grade point average at Ball State University. Um, this was just a fantastic interview. Um, the reason why I'm not launching it now is because one, we have this episode already lined up, and next week I'm going to do a pre-science episode where I'm actually going to um, discuss the terminology and some of the things that we talked about. So you have a little bit of knowledge going in because she does use some words like nucleus accumbens and uh, which basal ganglia, some of those you've heard me say, and some of them you could certainly Google. Um, I want to do a little preframe for it. And then we're going to have, of course, the episode where I interview her. And then following that, um, I might do a post science show or I might just let it chill and just move on to the next topic. But we are going to keep that episode high highlighted in the archive because I'm going to be calling out on it a lot. When I bring up the science of addiction, I want to be able to have you go back and listen to that episode. And so one of the cool things that I'm going to start creating for you all is these um, PDF eBooks about certain episodes that have really good material, things that I want you to be able to go back and read about. And so I'm going to take some of the slideshow that she presented and put that into a PDF and then write some things up about it so that I can sort of layman technolo- technology, <laughs> layman terminology it for you. So in the future, when you are wanting to think about the science of addiction and what's going on inside of your brain, you can go back and listen to the episode, or you can go and pull up that PDF ebook that I've made for you, and you'll be able to easily access it. And this will be something really cool to show um, other people in your life, perhaps family or loved ones who still want to embark on that conversation about whether addiction is a disease or not. Um, it is absolutely a disease. It is changing your brain at a cellular level. That is exactly what a disease does. It changes the body at a cellular level. It goes in there and it starts to mess around with things. I talked about it on some reels on Instagram recently. More of those will be coming out soon. So you'll be able to go over to From Sobriety to Recovery on Instagram and check those out. So loading it up with some really cool material to help you understand what's going on inside of you, which is really what this show is based upon. And so as we talked about before I just casually move on from that and segue to the actual part of the show, I hope that all of this stuff that we have been talking about and that I'm planning out for you um, hits you right where you want it to, that it lights you up, it gets you fired up for your sobriety and recovery. This is, um, it's a journey that you're taking. And then when I come on it with you and others come on it with you, it becomes an adventure. And I think the more of us who can know about the science of addiction or understand the psychology of what's going on inside of us, the better we can discuss it with those that love us, with those that might want to stigmatize us, with those who don't know what we know. There's a point to learning all of this, right? With the knowledge comes the power to take action and spread this knowledge to other people. Knowledge isn't power. It's the action you take with the knowledge where the power lies. And so I've continuously feed this stuff to you because I know it matters to you because you let me know it matters to you. Um, 
five stages of change, understanding pre-contemplation, contemplation, the planning, the action, the maintenance, or perhaps even their lapse or relapses. This stuff helps you understand what's going on inside of you. And this is why I decided I sort of needed to start making PDF eBooks for this material because not all episodes, but some of them are highly informational. Um, like one of my tribal members said, you know, you can start off at the beginning of the episode with a review, a summary of what we're going to talk about, and then summarize it at the end so we really can take in that information and do something with it. And then I realized that making up some PDF eBooks would even be more helpful. So you're actually going to get one for this episode. Because this episode I developed um, this week as I had multiple interviews for people who you'll be introduced to in the future on the podcast for both From Sobriety to Recovery and for College Success Habits. I'm in the process of bulk shooting all of these interviews. And then I had um, multiple amazing meetings. Uh, I brought a couple new people into the tribe who are going to be learning NLP with me and Aubrey Pohl starting Saturday. Um, all these amazing conversations, as well as my class for the addiction recovery. And then um, I also had a CRSS class today for three hours. And so all of these amazing conversations I had, and my brain started putting together this system for having connective conversations when in the moment you might be charged um, perhaps fired up, perhaps pissed off, perhaps ready to burn some shit down. We have all found ourselves in those moments where we are freaking losing it. And right, we're fired up, the adrenaline's pumping, the cortisol is flaring, and we are in fight or flight mode, and fight is definitely winning. When fight starts to win, and I had a great conversation with my girlfriend about this. I was like, you know, I really want to teach people how to stop themselves in the moment, get themselves cooled off, simmer down, and then step into the conversation with a level head, being present, and being grounded. And she made a very keen observation. And it was one that I think had maybe passed through my mind, but certainly not one that had ever stuck there until she said it, was that teaching someone how to stop in the moment may not be as easy as explaining to them that they need to go back and apologize for snapping at the person. And perhaps if they have to apologize enough times, eventually they'll just get tired of having to apologize. And then they'll be able to stop themselves in the moment. And instead of yelling, they calm down and they can actually have a normal conversation. And it was interesting because she and I used to snap at each other and there used to be yelling. And we've gone through this enough times that we had to apologize or roll back some of the things we said. Because yes, even I can get a little tempered. I know. You think, but Jesse, you have 185 episodes and you learned all this stuff. And guess what? Still freaking human, guys. <laughs> Still freaking human. Right? I mean, I don't road rage anymore. And you know why? Because I caused an accident whenever I was like 23 years old. And so I programmed in my brain, no more road rage. I can stop myself on a dime, but not so much with her. Sometimes the argument flares up. Don't do it with other people, but I definitely do it with her. And so when she made that observation, that perhaps it's not getting someone to stop. Like, st I would love it if you all could stop. 
I won't lie. It would be great if you could all stop. But it's going to and then simmer yourself down and then get into the conversation. But for those of you who are used to firing yourself out of a rocket right at somebody in fight mode, getting you to jump from that all the way to stop, breathe, and get grounded is a huge Grand Canyon of a evil Knievel kind of jump here. So what do we want to do instead? We want to take tiny, small, incremental steps. So if you're used to firing yourself at a rocket in fight mode, and then yeah, moving forward, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Even if you think you were right, humble yourself. Go back and say, I'm sorry I yelled. That's not the appropriate way for us to communicate. Moving forward, I'd like for us both to be more present and grounded, and I will start. I would like to be calm and have this conversation with you. Are you open to having this conversation right now? Right, You're asking for permission if, you, if they're ready to talk about what you want to talk about, which is important. They might have something else going on in their mind. So check with them. If they say, yes, I am ready to have this conversation, be like, great. Then the desired outcome here is that we do it calm and loving and connecting. And then have the conversation because you step into it without that fiery charge of emotion. And honestly, she's right. If you have to apologize enough times to this person and you sincerely don't want to keep yelling at them, like you're not a narcissistic person who just likes screaming at people. If you genuinely don't want to yell at people, then you will go back and apologize to them, whether it's your kids, your wife, your husband, your coworker, whoever it might be. And at some point, she's right. You will get tired of of yelling and then apologizing. And 10, 20 times, you will finally catch yourself and be like, wait, this is what I do that precedes me apologizing. And I don't want to have to apologize. So I'm just going to stop myself right now, take a breath, calm down, and get into this conversation with a level head. And after all of this stuff that I just described, all these meetings, all these conversations, everything, today I'm in my CRSS class and my brain starts to create a system that would help us all stop arguing and start loving. To stop ourselves from arguing and start being loving and connecting and getting into deep, meaningful conversations even whenever we feel like we just got ourselves fired out of a rocket. So as I, my brain started to create all this, it really, it, it, the whole thing started, no pun intended now, with the words stop and start. Stop arguing, start loving. And so from that, I turned it into an acronym, stop and start. And from stop and start became the content you are going to get today. So with all of that being said, I just want to jump right into it. So this is what I have created for us, because I'm using this. Like, this is what I've noticed. This is how arguments that I used to have with my girlfriend years ago, when we're four and a half years, we're three and a half, we're, she'll be, she won't be thrilled that I don't remember how long we've been together. <laughs> I've been sober five and a half years. I think I met her at, at the year and a half mark. So that would put us, yeah, we just finished four and a half years. Uh, we're in the four and a half year mark. Okay. She won't listen to this, please. <laughs> she like, did you just have to talk it out with your audience on how long we've been together? Yes, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> Should we calmingly discuss this now? Um, so I developed this system because this is what I've been using. So I deconstructed my conversation pattern with her in order for me to create what we're going to discuss now. So thank you so much for listening to all of that 
15 minutes in to get to where we're going now. But I think it was really cool to pump you up about future episodes because we are on a journey here together. And for those of you who are listening to this non-linearly or next June, then you may be annoyed by the fact that I talked about everything we're going to talk about at the end of 2022. But hey, you're listening to it linearly, so follow along and let's enjoy it. Uh, Now it's time to break down this conversation. Because this is one of the things that I learned from talking with Professor Witte was that when you break things down, it becomes more easily manageable and more easily um, useful. And I've been doing that for so long on this show. And then to have a PhD say, yep, that's what you're supposed to be doing. It was super cool to uh, have that affirmation. So breaking down, stop arguing, start loving. And for future reference, just go to about minute 17 if you'd like to fast forward to this or download the free PDF at my stand store. Um, It'll be available as soon as this episode drops. Um, Okay, I take it back. It's going to drop tonight. That won't happen till about 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. But if you're not listening to this, I don't know, at midnight, you don't care. (laughs) So shooting to edit, guys. Not going to go back and cut any of this stuff out. Just going to keep on rambling. So, um, all right, done squirreling. Let's get to the content. So stop. Now, remember, this is an acronym, so I'm going to do it all up for you, and I don't need to ramble on too much because this is going to be very clear and to the point, and because I created a PDF, I don't have to sit here and explain it five times to make sure that it gets through everybody the first time you listen to the episode. Now you'll be able to go back and you'll be able to read what I talk about. So stop arguing, start loving. And the acronym stop and start. So stop. The first S stands for simmer down. I referenced this earlier because I really want you to ask yourself this. Do you think you make the best decisions when you're in a negative emotional state? Probably not. Right, We want to calm ourselves down, and then we want to get into the conversation. Now, this is going to be for those of you who are ready to literally stop yourself when you feel the flames coming. Right, You fired yourself out of a rocket, and you're like, pull it back. Right, right. If you're still at that point where you got to scream in somebody's face for 20 minutes and then go slam a door and then come out an hour later and apologize, okay, awesome. I've just explained that is definitely a strategy. And 10, 15, 20 times of... of slamming doors and coming back out and apologizing, perhaps you'll finally be able to just stop and breathe and take a beat, right? Because we don't want to have somebody's car barrel rolling down the damn street just because you're a dick. So simmer it down. Take a breath. Calm down. If you go into a conversation that that is got you charged up, it's going to turn into an argument. It's going to turn into screaming. And then nothing is going to get accomplished from that. Nothing at all. People screaming at each other aren't listening to each other. If you need any proof of that, go check out the news. All right, the T in STOP stands for talk and summarize. Deep, meaningful conversations can get bogged down with long-winded monologues. If you sit here and just talk for 10 straight minutes, the person's going to get a little lost in what you're saying. So make sure you summarize your point at the end of your turn so there is clarity for the other person. If you sit here, if you remember the old cartoon called Family Circus from the funnies, the comics back in the 80s and 90s, there was this little kid named Billy, and his mom would say, like, go next door and get some eggs. And in this cartoon, he would walk all over other people's yards and hop fences and swim through pools. And his path to get next door to get some eggs was 
long and winding. And it, I mean, no doubt mom was probably pissed off because she didn't get to make cookies as fast as she wanted because Billy was gone for 45 minutes when it should have taken him two. He just meandered around like I do sometimes on the show. <laughs> I take something that could be discussed in seven minutes and I turn it into a 70 minute show. So when you get long winded, the person can get lost. Summarize your point at the end for clarity. If you're the person on the receiving end of a long and winding road kind of conversation and you get lost, then repeat back to them what you think you heard. It's as simple as saying, okay, what I think I heard, I think I heard, what that sounded like to me was, and then repeat back what you think you heard. The meaning of communication is a response you get. It's something I'll be teaching on Saturday in the NLP class. And what that sentence means, the meaning of communication is a response you get, is that how the meaning somebody the meaning somebody takes from what you've said to them, whatever response they give you, that's the meaning they got from it. And if what they repeated back to you, if if the meaning they took from it isn't the response you wanted, it is your job. It is you. You are in charge as the speaker who's trying to get their point across to clarify it for them, to make it so that they understand it. It is not their job to decipher your code. They are not some code breaker from World War II. You ramble on for 20 minutes and then you're like, you didn't understand my point. And they're and in their head, they're like, you said 15,000 words. No, I did not understand your point. And half the way through it, you started crying. So I was already distracted. So clarify, understand that they're doing their best with the resources they have in that moment to understand you, but clarify it for them and, and, and release any kind of energy you might have about being pissed off that they didn't get it the first time, right? Because it's up to you as the speaker to get your point across. It is not up to the audience to just figure it out. That's not the way it works. As someone who's got thousands of hours on a microphone and on stages can attest to, if the audience isn't figuring out what I'm saying, it's my job to say it differently, not their job to decipher it. The O in stop. Open-minded listening. Listen with your mouth closed and your mind open. Please, please, don't just sit there waiting to respond. Listen to the other person so you understand the point they seek to make. This is so important. So many people just listen to respond rather than actually listening to learn, rather than actually listening to take in the information that the other person is sharing with us. We get lost in our thoughts. We get stressed out about what we're going to say next. We're not even paying attention. We pull out five or seven keywords, and then we just respond based on those keywords. You are going to miss a lot of the point they're trying to make. If you're off in your head in la-la land, all tranced out, not paying attention. Listen with an open mind. More than likely, they're going to say some things you disagree with. More than likely, you are not going to agree with everything they said. Allow them to speak their truth. Allow them to do it. A really fun thing to do, and I didn't put this in the PDF, but now I'm thinking maybe I should have, is to say thank you after they're done talking, and then it's your turn to say what you want to say. 
But we do these things called dyads dyads in my relationship coaching where it'll the 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 couple will say something that they like about the other person, say something they think the other person likes about them and say something that they think they've both agreed on. And when the person's done, the other partner, all they get to say back is thank you. And then they get to take their turn to speak. But we're not looking for rebuttals during this process as much as we're looking for the opportunity to share. And so and have each person get out their version of the truth. So all the cards can be on the table. And you do that by open-minded listening. Because if you start to want to argue back with every single thing they say, you're not going to get to move forward. And you absolutely do not want to start bringing every problem you've had with this person for the last 17 years into this conversation. The discussion is about this one particular topic. Get this one figured out and then go on to the next one. But if you just start heaping up every single thing you both are pissed off at each other about onto the table, none of it's going to get covered. People are going to walk away pissed off and you're not going to continue to participate in the conversation. And P is for participate. So the acronym for is stop so far. We've got simmer down, talk and summarize, open-minded listening, and participate. Being involved in the conversation means participating. Conversations only move forward when you actually talk and share. So look them in the eyes, nod, respond, and keep the damn phone down. These are all physical actions you can take to be present in the moment. Be with them. If you start bringing every little argument, every little resistance, every little resentment you've had towards this person to this conversation, Right. Next thing you know, that you know, you wanted you wanted to debate. I don't know. They left their underwear on the floor, and you're tired of picking up after them, or they didn't clean their dishes, and they left them in the sink. And next thing you know, you're arguing about the garbage, and you're arguing about the litter box, and then it's who took the dog out, who didn't pick up the dog poop, and you didn't pick up the kids last week from school, and you know, you ate all the chocolate chip cookies, and you know, you stole money out of my wallet to buy crack. I, it could be a lot of things to argue about, but it's like seriously, right now we're talking about the dishes in the sink. We are not talking about three years ago when I used to steal money out of your wallet to buy drugs. (laughs) That is not the time to bring that up. You want to talk about that? That's fine. That is absolutely fine. Then start back at the beginning of this and and start with stop and simmer down. And and then you go right into talk and summarize and open-minded listening and participation. But keep the conversation you know, some people would want to call it an argument. I'm not framing it that way, but keep the quote unquote argument on topic, on topic. We're not bringing things up from the past, especially if you think you're losing. If you feel like you're losing this quote unquote argument, you, there's the potentiality that you're going to want to start bringing up things you know you're right about. That is not appropriate. (laughs) You can do it. I can just assure you shit's going to go sideways. All right. <laughs> I had a pause because I started laughing so much. Um, just keep in mind. All right, we've got stop. Right, so we're, we're, we're this is this is just the beginning, and I'm really impressed. I've been able to make it through the first word in ten minutes. So S is simmer down. T is talk and summarize. O is open minded listening. P is for tip for, for participate. Spit it out, Jesse. That's stop. Now let's get to start. Okay, because this is the stop arguing, start loving system. (laughs) So I've got to have the next word. 
start, here it is, start speak freely. The S stands for speak freely. All right, I'm looking for you to create a space where you can both talk open and honestly. All right, be very, very mindful of these universal qualifiers, of these definitives like never, always, everything, every time. And be gracious toward one another when you do use words that limit the possibility of change. Um, They blame the other person or they're accusatory. The charge you feel inside, they do too. If you've gone over to the stand store and got my um, connection ebook, this is one that I give out when I go speak so people can understand how to, um, it's another, it's really another argument kind of book where it's, you know, allowing them to vent and asking them what's wrong. What can you do? What can I do? It's great. It's free. Go over to my stand store. The link is in the, is in the show notes. Um, and that's, you know, I've been building up, right? Because arguments suck. Nobody really wants to be in them. They don't really do much for us, but we need to have connective conversations to get stuff off our chest. And one of the things I talk about in that ebook is that whatever charge you're feeling inside, the other person's feeling it too, right? Their, their metabolic rate, their heartbeat, their adrenaline, their cortisol, anxiety, the stress, they're feeling all these charges, certainly differently than you, but the same physiological shifting is happening in them that is happening in you as far as the biological components, right? What's the neurobiology? What's happening in the brain is feeding very similar physiological reactions. So if you're feeling charged, they are as well. This is why you want to be using possibility-based language. You never do this. You always do that. I can assure you, somebody is never and always. That, I right, the, the I don't know, the sun rises, all, the sun always rises and the sun always sets. Sure, the sun, the sun never hasn't rose and the sun never hasn't set. Perfect. You found a way to use them. Other than that, when it comes to somebody's behavior, it's probably inappropriate to say never and always. Everything and every time, right? The odds or something is everything and every time are very minuscule, if even possible. So you want to use possibility-based language patterns and when, and be gracious when they don't. Be forgiving, right? Don't jump on their throat. How dare you say I never do the dishes? I did them December 13th of 2002. Okay, awesome. One, that you remembered that. But two, that's not the point, right? I mean... People use definitives, and it sucks, and I notice it a lot because I teach people not to do it. Um, the more you've listened to this show, the more you're probably very aware of when you do it, least when somebody else does it. So just be mindful. Catch yourself. Say, nope, I misspoke. It's not never. It's not always. It's not everything. It's not every time. It's just misspoke. Occasionally, frequently, often. These are great words to use instead. <laughs> I should put that in here too. Um, I literally have already made the the ebook, and now I'm sitting here thinking, man, I'm actually saying some really good stuff. I might want to add that. So, um, speak freely. Create a space where you both can talk open and honestly. If you're just going to rebuttal them and you're just going to bark back at them each and every time, the person doesn't get a chance to speak their truth. It may not be the definitive truth. It may not be the objective truth means completely factual, but it is their subjective truth to their experience of you, to their experience of the situation. Let them speak about it. And then you have your turn to speak about it. And the more you both start to speak about it, the more you can finally hash it all out and come to a compromise, come to a resolution at the end. And this leads us to T. Tell your story. 
And you do this by using I as much as you can when talking about the events that led to this conversation. Using you takes the responsibility of your part in all of this and lays it at the other person's feet. They're going to feel attacked, threatened, and their natural instinct is going to be to lash back out at you. So I felt this way. I saw you do this. I experienced it this way. I, I, I. If it's you did this and you do that and you do this, I mean, come on. I mean, that sound like somebody on CSI with the big shiny light over somebody handcuffed to a table. You were there in the alley and you held the knife and you stabbed the burger and then you ate the burger. Just calm it all down. I noticed you in the alley. I think I saw you with a knife. I believe I saw you stab the burger, and I'm pretty sure I witnessed you eat the burger. It's all I statements, and I have no idea why I use that as my example, but that's where my mind went. So I hope you enjoyed the ride. (laughs) So use I. When you catch yourself using you, 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 you're being blamey and accusatory, and the person's going to feel attacked. Do not be surprised if they get an internal charge, and then they fire back at you right? They, they feel threatened. It is a natural human response. We are all humans. We all have a lot of emotions. And let's face it, emotional intelligence is not something we're raised with. And now we're trying to build it after years of addiction. It's going to take some bumps in the road and some, you know, smashing our knees on the dashboard until we figure it all out. So be gracious and loving and just be mindful of the words you're using. So the A in start is accept personal responsibility. This is where the I statement comes into play. It is crucial you are open to accepting the part you played in this disagreement or confrontation. All right, it might be simply that you didn't stress to them how much you wanted the last piece of cake or create the connection of why a tidy kitchen is important to you. And somewhere in here is an opportunity for you to uplevel your communication and guide theirs upward as well. I know it can seem preposterous to think that you have to take responsibility for somebody, you know, running your car into the garage, right? I I get it. I get it. Even as I say it, I understand that there's going to be certain things where like, I don't understand what personal responsibility I could have had in this. What I'm supposed to say, please don't hit my garage door. Please drive my car safely. Uh, Open up the garage door so they can't run into it. I don't know. There are infinite ways all of any situation can play out. All I'm simply asking is for you. I'm not even asking. You're doing this for you. Is to just stop for a moment and ask yourself, Where am I blaming, complaining, or making excuses? When you catch yourself blaming, complaining, and making excuses, you're not accepting personal responsibility. When you're not accepting personal responsibility, you're throwing it all at their feet. And if they feel like you've played some role in this, then they're going to throw it back at your feet. So listen to what they say. And is any of it, is any part of it where you could have taken some level of responsibility and said, you know what, you're right. I should have asked you about the cake, or you're right, I should have told you how important that piece of cake was, or I should have expressed to you that I was raised in a house with two hoarding parents, and I can't stand clutter, so please don't just leave crap laying all over the house, all right? If you can attach some of your six human needs 
certainty, variety, love and connection, significance, contribution, personal growth. If you can attach some of these human needs to why you're asking this person to behave a certain way or to do this particular thing for you, they will feel connected to why it matters so much to you. Listen for yourself when you start to blame and complain and make excuses. That is you not taking personal responsibility. And I get it. There's going to be a lot of times where you're like, I have no idea how I'm supposed to possibly take personal responsibility for somebody stealing money out of my wallet. Yeah, you could have hid your purse, which sounds like a shitty thing to have to do in your own home or when you go over to somebody's house that you're visiting and you think you should be able to trust them. I get it. But there is some level of personal responsibility that whenever you just say, okay, as preposterous as it is, I guess in the future I should just lock my purse in my trunk when I come into this person's house or stop being their friend. (laughs) But the point is, is that if you can just humble yourself enough to see a place where you could actually have done something a little bit differently, whether you really honestly believe you should have had to do that or not, that in that humbling, um, there is a graciousness. There is a humility. There is an openness to seeking to help the other person change their behavior. You can choose to never have this person in your life again, perhaps. Um, Maybe not if it's your kid, but you can certainly stop talking to them as much and just be a dick to them all the time. But that's not what you're looking for in life. You're looking for connected conversations. Right? And so by having these opportunities with someone that even if you happen to swallow a little bit, you don't really think that you did anything wrong, you don't really think you should have to lock your purse in your trunk or whatever is going on in your life, that's going to allow them to at least feel some level of connection with you about this. And then you can seek to change the behavior. Accept the person, change the behavior. Right? You love your kid. They're not a bad kid. They just happen to keep leaving their book bag in the hallway. Right? They did a bad thing. According to your subjective perspective, you want them to put the backpack on the hook by the front door. Right. Then we can move them toward that. But you could simply say, you know what? I accept personal responsibility. I did not stress important. I did not stress to you enough how important it is that your book bag goes on this hook. I was raised in a very dirty, unorganized house, and it's just extremely important to me that I'm not walking through the hallway with a you know laundry basket full of clothes, and I trip over your backpack, and I fall, and then I split my head open, and then I bleed out right in front of you. <laughs> God, <laughs> what is wrong with me? My brain just goes nuts sometimes, man. All right. Anyways, don't maybe don't tell your kid that you'll trip over their backpack and bleed out in front of them. But I mean, it might work. It could also create an adverse childhood experience that they one day have to tell their therapist about. <laughs> you know, everything was fine and dandy until mom had to start painting these gory-ass pictures of her slipping on my book bag, splitting her head open, and the dog finding her and licking her brain. <laughs> So, can I please have my prescription for the volume now? (laughs) Except personal responsibility, okay? I'm going to leave it at that. R is for reframe. Your perception of the other person is whatever your mind has created it to be. It's subjective to your perception, right? And they likewise have their interpretation of you developed in their mind. So here's what we can do. You reframe what you think about them by asking this question to yourself. What has happened in their life to create this viewpoint? 
right? Something has happened. And this is something that I've been talking about for a little while. It's definitely been instilled into me because of the CRSS stuff I've been learning. It's not what's wrong with somebody. It's what happened to somebody. Nothing is wrong with people. Something happened to them to, to begin to sow the seeds of this behavior in them and then left unchecked for years and years and years became this version of them standing in front of you. You may not like it, but like I've said about relationships in the past, one person's I never want to see you again is another person's I've been looking for you everywhere. So if you can reframe from what is wrong with you, why won't you put your book bag on the hook? What's wrong with you? Why do you steal money out of my purse to buy Budweiser? If you can reframe that instead of what's wrong with them to what has happened in their life to create this viewpoint, you can begin to instill a level of empathy in yourself about them. And this is humongous. This is extremely important, this empathy. Because then you can ask them questions that help you understand why this is important to them. Right? This answer will connect you both and bring clarification where previously there was murkiness. And that's what we're looking for here. There's a reason why this person has a viewpoint about the book bag or the money or the dishes or the cake or the mowing of the lawn or leaves on the front yard. It, one of the tribal members has a next door neighbor who like apparently flipped out on the another neighbor about leaves from the tree from neighbor B coming over onto neighbor A's yard because, you know, branches grow over fences. And so now neighbor A has to meticulously keep all these leaves off of his yard. Now, maybe that's just one of his compulsions. He just likes having a tidy yard. But maybe one day he doesn't want to have to worry about the leaves so much, but he's already made such a scene about it to the neighborhood that he's got to go out there and clean up those leaves because, heaven forbid, he doesn't. And now he has to eat crow in front of everybody who's saw him lose it on neighbor B. It's something has happened in this guy's life where this leaf thing matters to him. Nothing's wrong with him, but he has created this viewpoint. And there's an opportunity there to stop him and be like, you know, I'm just super curious. You know, why um, are you, you know, why does the leafs um, interest you so much? What is it that makes you so enthusiastic to clean them up? And notice I'm using words like, what happened to you? in your past that makes you such a dick about your leaves. Instead, it's, I'm super curious. What about, uh, you know, what about you creates this enthusiasm to want to keep your lawn so tidy and to have no leaves on it? And they might not give you the best answer when they first hear it because they're probably used to people trying to come at them about it. But if you just simply say, hey, no judgment here. I'm just super curious because clearly this matters a lot to you. And I'd like us to get along. So I would like to be able to understand why this matters so much to you. So then I can have it matter this much to me because you matter to me. So I want this to be clear so it can also matter to me. I may never care this much about how much the leaves are not are on our lawn or, or are on our lawn, right? Leaves may never be this important to me as they are to you, but I would really like to know why they're so important to you. And it might turn out that back in the day, he used to do lawn work with his dad and dad passed away. And now he feels most connected to his father whenever he's out mowing the lawn and raking leaves. You have no idea, but I promise you, when you get to the heart of why that matters so much to them, there will be clarification and there will absolutely be connection.
even if the person thinks it's superfluous or superficial, if you ask enough questions, if you dig enough in there, you will find a heartfelt reason for why it matters to them. And they may not even realize what's really unconsciously going on underneath the surface. But if you sit there calmly with them in a non-judgmental way, ask them questions that allow them to also do some level of self-discovery, it will bring you two together. I can assure you, most times out of not, it will be received very well. You just are going to have to get through that initial reaction they have where they think you're judging them or you're trying to change their mind or you're trying to disagree with them because more than likely other people have done that with them. So their preconceived notion of what you're doing is trying to bark at them about what it is they're doing and they're going to feel threatened and they're going to feel attacked. And like I said earlier, they're going to lash out. So if you can just calm yourself down and not get charged back up, you can just continuously bond with them by asking some questions. I can assure you something amazing will happen between the two of you. And the T in START stands for take action. There's a reason why it's the fourth principle in my book. There's a reason why I talk about action all of the time. All of these steps and both of y'all's effort will be for not if an agreement isn't made and then followed through upon. Taking action is what solidifies all the growth between you both and deepens the understanding of how to compromise so you both can be happy. Love grows from the outcomes of actions. I'll say this again. Love grows from the outcomes of the actions. You can make an agreement. I will not leave the dishes in the sink anymore. But you really have to understand that once you make that agreement, they're going to be looking for a change in behavior. And I've had some pushback on this myself in the past because there'll be a part of me that doesn't want to seem like a pansy, a little bitch, like I'm rolling over, like they can boss me around. But here's the thing. If they have a conversation and they say, this is how I want the bed to be made, and you're watching it, you're paying attention, right? I mean, you know, you're going to get it. There's going to be a little bit of discrepancy in how I make a bed versus how somebody else makes a bed. That's inevitable. But for the most part, if they said, you know, I really want the, the, the outside of the pillow facing this way, and I really want this pillow laid this way, like they give you some pretty clear instruction. You say, okay, I can do that. Having the comforter off by a couple inches is one thing. Having the pillows completely turned backwards and inside out is a completely other thing. Right? You're not a little bitch for simply doing what somebody asked whenever you agreed to do it. If you don't want to agree to do it, then, or if you don't want to do it, then don't agree to do it. One of the things a lot of people do, and this might be a generalization, but I've noticed it at least amongst myself and my closest inner circle is we'll agree to things we don't really want to agree to just to get out of the conversation. Well, congratulations, you just scheduled another argument. I hope you got time for that one because you clearly didn't have time for this one. It's like the old saying, if you don't have the time to do it right the first time, when are you going to have time to do it right the second time? Stitching time saves nine. All the other cliches, you're in it. You're in the conversation. You're trying not to confront one another and yell and scream. You're in the moment. You're talking about one particular thing. You're not getting off topic. You're staying in the moment, talking about this one thing. You are looking for an agreement and then something to take action on 
afterwards. If you don't agree on the action that's supposed to be taken after the conversation, no one has any idea how to gauge if you're moving forward or not. You've got to know if the conversation has led to an amicable solution by the actions you take afterward. If the idea afterwards is that, okay, cool, when we see over 1,000 leaves on the front yard, we will absolutely go out, rake them up into a big pile, jump around in them for a while, get all the dirt and the bugs all over us, and then we'll mow them up with the lawnmower and we'll dump the lawnmower bag into the garbage can. If that's the agreement that you've made, then when you see 1,001 leaves on your front yard, your ass better be out there raking them up. Because if not, you've made an agreement and now you're breaking an agreement. And that is not building trust. And with the more you build trust, the more you build love. You've gotten to the point where the conversation is nearing its end and you give somebody the call to action, the thing to do next. It's your responsibility to follow through on it. It's your responsibility to let them know if they are not keeping up their word. I have certainly heard People say, it's not my responsibility to make sure you do what you promise me you'll do. And I agree with that. I wholeheartedly agree. If I loan somebody 50 bucks, it is not my responsibility to remind them I loaned them 50 bucks. But I can assure you, if a couple months go by, they're asked getting reminded. And that probably should have done it way sooner than that. All right? If this is what I've agreed with you to do. And then I've noticed that 1,001 leaves are still on the lawn four days later. Might be like, hey, I remember that conversation the other day. I know we discussed 1,001 leaves. I'm pretty sure it's past that now. So are we going to get out there and rake that yard today or are we going to do that tomorrow? Might double bind them, give them basically the decision. Do it now or do it later. But one way or another, it's getting done. So no, it is not your responsibility to tell somebody to follow through on a promise they made from you. that they made to you. But again, going back to personal responsibility, blaming, complaining, and making excuses, right? If you get all up in their grill because they didn't follow through on something, I get it. Sometimes humans just have to be reminded of something. They could have 50 things going on in their head. Make a to-do list. Write it on the refrigerator door. I don't know, tattoo it on their forehead while they're asleep. (laughs) Don't do that. I think think that's a felony or something. Don't do that. I remember now a scene in like a movie like the girl with the dragon tattoo when she tattoos like I don't know, pervert or rapist on some guy's forehead. And I remember thinking like that is a punishment. <laughs> you want to stop society from breaking the law, start tattooing the, their crimes on their face. I guarantee you, <laughs> you I mean, it's, it's not as severe as some countries where they chop off hands and cane people in the street, but certainly tattooing somebody's crime on their face, I don't think they would, you, you would see a drastic decline in crimes uh, once that became the new norm. So again, don't do that to somebody you love. Don't do that to somebody you hate. Simply take the time. And just really like, real kindly, hey, I remember that conversation we had the other day. I remember we agreed no more soup spoons in the sink. I'm um, just checking in on that because I did notice a soup spoon this morning, right? And if they, you know, get a sigh and they get all huffy and puffy about it, be like, I'm not trying to get back into that, but we made an agreement. Just trying to check in to make sure something's not up because 
I know how much you like it to follow through on your agreements. I can't give you every freaking hypothesis, y'all. I can't give you every example. Somewhere along the way, there might be a breakdown in communication, and you might have to get back into the confrontational argument, which I prefer to call a connective conversation. But either way, it's bound to happen. We're humans. That's just what we do. All right? We're not perfect. We're just seeking progress. We're not looking for perfection here. We're looking for progress. And it might take you 20 times yelling at somebody and then apologizing for it to finally get through to your head that screaming at them isn't the right way to communicate with them. And it might take them screaming back at you 20 times and ignoring you 21 times before they finally realize like, hey, if we're going to make this work, we have got to change something. And that's the bottom line. If you want something to change in your life, you're going to have to change. (laughs) Period, point blank. I know this is a show about sobriety and recovery. I know we, we talk a lot about communication and psychology and all these things because this is the stuff they don't teach in school. Most parents don't know how to teach this because they weren't raised with it. We are an emotionally unintelligent species that has been raising one another emotionally unintelligently for millennia. We are part of the new movement. We are the ones who said, you know what, that's just the way we were behaving then, the way I was raised as a child, the way that I was raising my child before I found this show or before I got into recovery or whatever your, your motivational energy is, that was then and this is now. And it is absolutely imperative that if you want something to change in your life that you are ready to change. It can't just be everybody else bending the knee and saying, yes, yes, queen, yes, king, don't, don't say Dracarys to your dragon. I really don't want to get burned into a, you know, fiery torch today. Not everybody has to always acquiesce to what you want. They don't have to give in. Once in a while, there's compromise. You're not going to get everything you want. They're not going to get everything they want. But at some point, both parties can be content and say, you know what? I got enough of what I want. Thank God that there is some level of compromise in this world or we would just never stop being at war and we are a species that loves to kill one another. We are, it is tough for us to have conversations where we compromise, where we can humble ourselves, where we can be some level of of humility and gratitude and integrity towards one another. And this episode has been all about that. Stop arguing and start loving. This is... um, important. It is important to me. And I want you to remember this, and it's in the manual. Ask yourself this question. Do you want to be right or do you want to to connect? If being right is the most important thing to you, you are going to lack a substantial amount of connection with the conversations you're having. If you've always got to have the last word, and you say the last word, and then you run out of the room so they can't say anything else, that person thinks you're a bitch. That person thinks you're a dick. There's, sorry, that's, I'm going to go with 90 times out of 100. That person is not going to walk away from that conversation with positive feelings about you. And you might think you can keep getting away with it. And I can tell you what, like uh, like Gary V once said, you know what, sometimes you got to cut people out of your life. And I'm not telling you that it's going to be easy. And I'm not telling you it's not going to suck. But sometimes it's what you got to do. And you got to figure out, do you really want to be that person? who always has to win the argument, get the last word in, because at some point you might turn around and that person is just not there to be your punching bag anymore. Hopefully metaphorically and not actually, right? 
communication, loving, open, honest, speaking freely. This is it. This is what we're talking about. Simmer down, talk and summarize, open-minded listening, participate, speak freely, tell your story by using I, accept personal responsibility, reframe your perceptions, and take action. Nothing changes if you don't change. It just doesn't. Nothing changes if action is not taken. Actions speak louder than words, thoughts, or feelings. What you actually do creates your life. What you think and feel, that's what influences your actions. So whenever you're in a conversation and you feel fired up, like you shot out of a rocket and you're thinking nasty thoughts, what kind of actions do you think you're going to have in that moment with that person? Nasty thoughts, nasty energy. But if you're thinking happy thoughts, how can we communicate? How can we compromise? How can we walk away from this cuddling and kissing and, you know, maybe maybe even make up romantic time later if, if we're talking about your partner, right? Like this is so much about life comes down to where you're going to live, who you're going to love, what you're going to do. And when we have turmoil in our own home with the person we've chosen to spend our time with, it can be tough. It can be difficult. And then these negative thoughts spiral down and they corkscrew into our brain and it just becomes our natural way of thinking. Well, natural way of thinking doesn't work for us anymore. We didn't get into sobriety and recovery to be the same person we were before, just minus the addictive vice. That's not the point of this. That's not what we're trying to do here. All the way up life means that we're going all the way up. And not every step up that mountain is going to be fun. Some are going to be torturous. Some are going to be done with a freaking torrential downpour and freaking hail falling on our head. I actually know what that feels like. Thank you very much, mountain in Mexico City. And some of those steps are going to be gorgeous and beautiful. And we're not always going to know when the storm's coming, but we can be prepared for it. When you stop arguing and you start loving, follow this framework, come back, let me know on social media, let me know an email, however you've been getting a hold of me. If you haven't gotten a hold of me yet, all the links are in the show notes. Please reach out, go over to the stand store, download this free ebook for yourself, check it out, read it up. I don't know. I would print it out and slap it on your refrigerator, whatever it is you want to do. Um, it's there. It's available. I cannot wait for you all to get a hold of this, take it and run with it. Um, I created it for us, for the community, and now it has been released into the world. Uh, 57 minutes, huh? <laughs> uh, coming up on 58. And then once I drop in the music, I'll probably be at an hour. So thank you so much, everyone, for uh, listening to this, enjoying this. Uh, I hope my examples didn't gross any of you out or take it back, but... Uh, you know, sometimes you flip on the microphone at midnight and you're not really sure what's going to come out and then it just starts coming out. So as always, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. Shout out to sunshine, glow on. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.